Welcome to Toffee Blue View, your source for all things Everton. I'm Jerry. Terry and Max are here. We all got the memo about wearing gray and white and black, and so it's we're very, uh, yeah, we're keeping it very dull as far as the color scheme this week. So, guys, it had been 17 days of Evertonless, uh, you know, kind of no no misery. It's coasting, just chilling, and it was all right. Uh, but they came back on Tuesday, actually put in a good performance. We're going to talk about that more later. The majority of the football news right now, though, has nothing to do with, with Everton, and we've been okay with that as well. You're actually able to take a lot of your emotion out of it and actually just watch the football. Um, but, guys, I missed the Carabao Cup final um, because I don't have the channel because poor and American. So, guys, let me know about this, this drama because it sounds kind of intense. <laughs> yeah, the basically it was a terrible game of football <laughs> came to life right at the end of extra time. But Chelsea had actually been playing quite well. Like they, they clearly got a reaction from the players after they were beaten by City in the league rather heavily, and they were they were good value for the draw. But then right at the end of the game, the, their keeper, uh, Chelsea's keeper, that is. Uh, I can't say his name. I think it's Aretha Kepa. Balaga he, or something. Yeah. yeah, Aretha Balaga, that's it. Yeah. He, he goes down with cramp. Now, I raised an eyebrow at the idea of a goalkeeper getting cramp mm. anyway because he doesn't run a lot, does he? Let's be honest. So he goes down with cramp right at the end of extra time. And Sarri prepares um, Willie Caballero to come on in place of him. And when Kepa sees that Caballero's about to come on, he gets back up and starts like waving at the bench to say, no, 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 I'm, I can stay on, I'm not coming off. But the board is already ready to make the substitution. Sarri has told the fourth official, I'm making this substitution. And Kepa refuses to come off the pitch. He basically is like, no. And Sarri is going crazy on the touchline, saying, more or less, get off the pitch, get off the pitch. All the Chelsea players don't, hardly do anything they're all just sort of watching it there's no like the captain doesn't go over anything like that Kepa point blank refuses to leave the pitch and be substituted Sarri storms away from the dugout the technical area yeah it was a bit silly what, he, what did he do? like why, why did he do like he, he took like he undone his jacket threw a bottle went to walk did like he, he went towards like the exit the doors the doors opened for him to walk through but he didn't walk through the doors he like he went oh shit better stay here actually and like decided yeah. to return and and come back proper prima donna stuff like walking towards the tunnel <laughs> he was walking down the tunnel the camera was on him and then he stops at the very last second and comes back to the technical thing i thought so i a manager was going to resign in the middle of a game. That's wow. how bad it looked. And it was absolutely surreal. He comes back to the technical area and just sort of gives up on the substitution. Like a minute goes by of play after the, all the, you know, once play is resumed and it goes to like preparing for the penalty shootout. Kepper comes over to the technical area with all the other play, all the other Chelsea players. Sarri is clearly angry at him, but like, I think it's Rudiger. One of the players keeps Sarri away from him, like so we can't. Like Chelsea's players are stopping the manager going over to the keeper, and they sort of just ignore each other. After and then they do the little huddle, and then they carry on with the penalty shootout. It was the most bizarre thing ever, and then Chelsea go on to lose this shootout with an absolutely embarrassing yeah. attempt at a save. From Kepper, yeah, I did the, see the Aguero that. penalty where Aguero was even embarrassed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he did look embarrassed. Yeah, That's totally true. Oh my, yeah. I saw that one little clip, and uh, yeah, damn. I know. See, my my theory on what happened is that Kepper's trying a little bit of um, classic shit housery. I'm yeah. playing for the penalties. Going right, I'm going to pretend I've got cramp to run this clock down so we get to penalties. It's worked a little bit too well. <laughs> Because the ma- his own manager has believed it and went to bring on 
Willy Caballero. Now it may have been that Willy Caballero was going to come on anyway because he's got. He's got a history of winning League Cup finals, is it? You know, on yeah, penalties, yeah. He won a League Cup final um, penalty shootout before against Liverpool when he was a City player, and he knows the City players. So it may have been the plan all along to bring him on for it if it was a shootout anyway, because it would have been a little bit of psychological advantage over the City penalty takers. Kepper decided he didn't care at all if that was the plan because he was staying on. And it's it's either a little bit of a trick gone wrong or worked too well or it's just blatant disregard for the manager's instructions. But uh, it was just bizarre. Like a manager saying, I'm substituting you and a, key, and a player just point blank saying, no, you're not. Just it's Chelsea in a nutshell for me. I think in the 15 years that Abramovich has been there, they've had 14 managers. Like, it's it just ruled by the players, to be honest. If Jose Mourinho couldn't control the dressing room, I don't think many else in the game will. The worst was some of the commentary um, on the English um, uh, coverage of the game because they had John Terry in the studio and they're sort of like indicating to him, going, oh, it wouldn't have happened in your day and your era. It's like, yes, it would. It was far more <laughs> likely to happen then because like, that was when they had the real player power in the dressing room of the Terrys, the Lampards, the Drogba's. Like it still goes on at Chelsea now, and it was just, but it was worse then, and it was just so embarrassing. I felt really bad for Sarri because he's a mm. decent manager, and but he's just not a Chelsea manager. I was going to ask you if you thought it seems like it's in the cards that he's going to be out here in a little while. Oh no, only Chelsea, only well, only in football, but especially only at Chelsea would a keeper, or a player rather, refuse to listen to a manager's instruction, and the manager's job is more at stake mm. than the players. Mm. It, he's going to suffer for this more. In fact, he came out and tried to sweep it under the rug, didn't he? And saying, oh, yeah, it was a misunderstanding. It's like, uh, no, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, he, you were going absolutely berserk on the touchline because a player was ignoring your instruction to be substituted and you went to storm down the tunnel. It was not a misunderstanding. You knew exactly what was going on and you weren't happy. But he obviously uh, thinks, ah, quite a lot of money this job best not walk away from it they're going to sack me I think anyway. it's interesting uh, comparing yeah. that the only the only like the first thing that comes to mind like an Everton comparable situation was Morales grabbing the ball on the Morales. you know what I mean for that for that penalty uh, that was the, but not exactly the same reaction from Martinez there uh, which I think tells you a little bit about the difference between the guys difference between the managers but uh, however, one was a well, cup final, one, much bigger circumstances. Yeah, one's against West Brom. Yeah, and one, final, it yeah. seems like the the instructions were much more clear. So uh, I, I think I was trying to compare it and think about how I would feel and who I'd be the most angry with in that scenario, and I immediately point to uh, to Kepa on that, um, especially with that last... At that point, are you even like psychologically prepared for a shootout? You know what I mean? Because it's a it's a friggin' mind game. Shootout, sir, you've got to feel like a wall. And when your manager's sitting there trying to sub you out, um, yeah, ah, man, shitty. Um, I was just thinking, where is the captain? Like, I would want the captain. Boom, if I was a right there. Fan, I'd be like, I want yep. the captain to like. Mm. Come over and just go right. Get him off that pitch. I, like, what the hell's going on? The captain completely absent from that farce of a situation. It, you just, I think it was Aspilicueta on the day. Yeah, it was like, he, came, he came to his defence though, which you kind of expect. Both mm. Spanish natives, obviously, I think he's yeah. just looking out, looking out for him. But yeah, that he, was he, after he, the fact though, wasn't it? Not like in the situation, you'd want your captain to go over and go, "This is ridiculous. Get off the pitch." Yeah, and then deal with it afterwards mm-hmm. and go to the manager's office the next day and go, "What the hell were you doing? I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't being serious." You don't just say no to a manager who's going berserk on the touchline saying, "Get off." Oy. Yeah, um, I I feel like I don't know. <laughs> It's one of those moments it was almost seemed like it would be kind of cringeworthy to watch. You know, a little bit of drama, but it's one of those... It's like watching a movie where the character... It's supposed to be a funny situation for the character be, to be really uncomfortable, but it almost makes it too difficult to watch because you're sitting there putting yourself in that situation, so you literally can't watch it. Uh, that, that's what I, Part yeah. of me is kind of glad I missed that. <laughs> 
it was it was great. I oh, was the good drama, the I good wanted. kind of drama. You like that? And um, when, when Sari was about to go down the tunnel, I was like, "This is amazing," <laughs> because they because the both games that day had been terrible to watch. Liverpool, Man United, awful uh, to watch. Mm. And then um, City and Chelsea was not much better. It was so it was like a two hundred minutes of goalless football, and then it just went absolutely like <laughs> off its head at the end. It's like a, so. It was like your reward for going through all the shit. <laughs> all right. Well, that was happening in football away from Everton, but other stuff has been happening with Everton. Uh, we did have a we did play yesterday. Today is Wednesday. We're recording this on a Wednesday, um, so we got to talk about it. Uh, Everton got a nice win, and we're gonna we're gonna elaborate. Um, so to, to further summarize the show, it's kind of a short show. Uh, segments may go long though, but long though because of the content, because of the subjects. Starting with the match reaction to the the Cardiff win, three uh, nil. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. There's a lot to digest in that in that win. Um, so we'll go with that. And then we've uh, we've got the derby this weekend on Sunday. We'll be doing a match preview of that. There's a lot to digest actually off just off the back of this of this Cardiff win. I think. A lot to discuss. There's a lot of segues between the two, so we'll get into that, and then we'll end it with uh, if you know your history um, quiz between these two guys, uh, kind of a penalty shootout style, not the starters style quiz. So yeah, sorry guys. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll flip a coin later. Um, we'll flip a memory card later. See who goes first. Uh, it could be interesting. I think the questions are hard as hell. Um, so Quizmaster John doing overtime on this. So guys, match reaction. Um, 3 nil win. I, I watched it late night by myself, and uh, it was very satisfying. But it not necessarily did not start off like that. Uh, didn't get right off and begin quickly. I think there was a lot of... Uh, uh, malaise before the game started when people saw the the starters. I, I think there was a general consistent consensus where people looked at the the lineup and they were kind of <laughs> kind of down. It was that oh hell not again kind of a feel. You saw Jagielka out of necessity started. Uh, Coleman started. Schneiderlin started. Walcott. Those were the ones that raised the eyebrows. You know what I mean. However. I thought those players paid it off and actually played well. Uh, Terry, why don't you uh, get us started? Uh, they, yeah, those players gave a, a few mistakes. Which of the four, those four players really impressed you the most with their performance? Um, from Jagielka, Schneiderlin Coleman, and Walcott. The ones Walcott that everybody was like, why are these people starting? We suck. <laughs> Jagielka? Probably. I mean, it's got to be something said for Schneiderlin as well, but um, I'll let Max do that. Ah, the man crush returns. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Elka, I'm not the biggest fan of, of Jagielka in 2019. Obviously, back in, in his in his pomp, he was, you know, he was what he was. He was a great player. But now I'm sort of like, oh, I can't believe he's still here. He, you know, he, he's, you know, he's huge wage he's you know he's not going to play many games but it's no coincidence that one of our few clean sheets of the season has come with an actual leader at the back his legs may not be what they were his physical the physical side of his game his speed his strength everything about his body might not might not be this <laughs> as it was some time ago but mentally he's got something that the other centre-backs just haven't got he had a, you know he, he made like a bit of a bit of a howler at the beginning where Luca Dean had to uh, bail him out but after that he was calm collected and composed and okay the theme of this segment will probably be it's only Cardiff but you can't you've only got to beat what's in front here and you could say it's it's only for a lot of teams who've beaten us so you can never say it's only to anyone in this league now Jaggy Elker impressed me I, I saw him come into the team and usually I would have been like oh my god what's going on but then I thought you know what the other the combinations of the other guys haven't been doing it either, so why not see what happens and a uh, a clean slate, clean clean sheets. Can't yeah, really watching him that. bark out orders to players on dead balls, telling them where to be and what to do. That's 
I feel like that's something we're missing. Um, and who's mm. going to fill that void when he's not playing? Uh, Keen, you know what I mean? Keen doesn't seem like that guy yet. Uh, Zuma, no. Mina, no. These are players that are still kind of getting used to everybody. So who is going to be the one to kind of make sure people are doing what they're supposed to on dead balls? We didn't, we didn't give up a goal on a set piece. Holy hell. All right. Mm. Somehow I was right about that part. <laughs> My, I was yeah. paid off for being naive. Nuts to that. That's crazy. Uh, but that was the thing. He didn't look svelte. He didn't look trim. He looked out of shape. Uh, there were moments where he showed his age. Trust me, I do it all day long. I, I saw it happen to him at a time or two. But it was that it was the the composure, just getting just getting the damn ball out of there when he needed to, and the communication. That's what impressed me the most about about Yagyoka yesterday. Um, yeah, quality quality comments there, Max. How about how about Man Crush Morgan? <laughs> hey, he looked good, man. Put in a, put in. <laughs> You know, yeah, you, you've got to preface everything, but, you know, you've literally got to say it. Mm-hmm. It is only Cardiff. You know, it, this is it's like the equivalent of playing FIFA on semi-pro before you've got <laughs> another game coming up on Legendary at the weekend, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, he played well, and I, I personally feel like when Morgan Schneidlin plays well, you know, he's that type of midfielder that, that he goes unnoticed. Like, you know, he, he's like the water carrier. He, by playing him in that deeper role, it allows... A bit more freedom for Idrissa Gay, and I think we, you know, we saw that completely. I think Idrissa Gay was the best player on the pitch. Um, who was it that um, made the clearance off the line um, when Keane got bowled over? Was it Dean, yeah, Dean. or Schneiderlin? I thought it was Schneiderlin. Dean made one in the. Was it the first half play? Are you talking about? I oh, about I was thinking about a different play. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, because uh, I'm sure Schneiderlin kind of um, atoned for an error that that Keane made and. They're the only instances where I feel like, you know, a player like, you know, of Schneidland's ilk should come into the limelight when he's making, you know, a sort of match-saving um, clearance or decision. But he, otherwise, a really tidy performance in the midfield. He played them. Um, he, he found Coleman really well. I knew you were going to mention that. That pass was first goal. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, it was a brilliant ball. And you know what? I felt like there was... Um, there was almost a different feel to this performance because you know it felt a lot different to the the rest of the season where there's been a lot of emphasis on playing through the fullbacks. I feel like a lot of the play came from the central players for a change, and you know, for example, in the first half where Theo Walcott had two almost identical chances where he kind of had the, you know he was fed over the top and hit it on the volley, put it wide on both occasions, but. Um, and I feel like that's why Theo Walcott was was played really because you know it's just it, I, something that I found myself saying during that game was ah oh, if Coleman and Walcott were five years younger we probably would have bagged a few more goals there because maybe sometimes I felt like the decision making was a bit hesitant they maybe maybe played a sideways pass when they would could have otherwise played the forward pass but you know when, when you're playing against um, bottom feeders no disrespect Cardiff but playing against teams like that you know. You can play. You can. I, like I don't mind. I wasn't up in arms about the um, the selection. You know, I know we've got Liverpool on Sunday. We've had a long layoff, so I mean, resting. You couldn't exactly label it as resting, but I just see it as rotation. Mm-hmm. As I said, after the losses to Wolves, Leicester, and um, and the like, it, I, I've got no. I don't genuinely. I don't believe that we'll get seventh. I don't think we're really fighting for anything. So. You know what he can do in the meantime is experiment with what he's got. He obviously changed the formation and um, played that midfield three, um, playing Schneiderlin deeper. Do we think Schneiderlin might get in? Let's save that Sunday? for the ma- I, for the match preview because I've got that written down for be. my. It's an interesting, I think it's, it's a good conversation one. and it's worth having. Really. Yeah. Um, something you mentioned. First of all, Schneiderlin, to me, looked a lot more mentally sharp. It was feeding through him. He was whipping, he was whipping the ball. He didn't look uh, as though as clueless as he did earlier in the season. He looked as though he had a plan for the ball when he, rece- when he received it. Um, I totally am with you on the idea of us not playing through the fullbacks and whipping, the, whipping crosses as often. I think Sigurdsson got received the ball a lot more. You saw it going out to the wings, and they were playing it to him, and he was checking to them. 
you saw he Sigurdsson was just a much bigger part of the game yesterday than he has been in like a long time. And it seemed to me like Silva had specifically yeah. designed a plan and a system to get him the ball more. Well, I feel like that's come from how he's he's altered the formation. Obviously, playing playing Schneidlin, as I said, that frees mm. up the rest of the midfielders to you know express themselves in an attacking sense. And I was having this discussion earlier with a mate. Sigurdsson, I mean, obviously coming up against Cardiff, that for for Sigurdsson, that is a big game. Obviously coming up yeah. against the old rival, he scored he scored a match winner against them earlier in the season. But you know, for for the first goal and his second goal, it's right place, right time. He and we were debating over what type of number ten is he. It's just pure technique. You know, you wouldn't you don't necessarily associate a great strength or great speed with him. But it's that you know the, the technical ability and and the um, the positional awareness of knowing where to be um, is just absolutely top notch from Ferguson. And I've said it obviously now he's the the highest Icelandic goal scorer in Premier mm-hmm. League history, and he really loves he looks like a talisman for us when he when he's in that type of form. And you know fingers crossed he puts in the same performance on Sunday. Um, I'm curious if that was if that was a game plan just for Cardiff to kind of shift that system just for yesterday or if we're going to see a lot more of him trying to get cigarettes in the ball more throughout the rest of the season I'm curious if he's going to shift based on opponent and that kind of you know what I mean like actually game plan Mm. for tactics or if because you know he seems like the kind of guy who would prefer to this is the way we play football you know what I mean? Like, we have a style. He wants to do that, but he hasn't been able to yet. He hasn't been able to figure it out yet, you know? Yeah, you saw that in yeah. the press conference too, didn't you? Where he just kind of said, I'm not going to radically change anything. But it's nice to see these these phases of experiments, mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. Big, big contributing factor for playing more through Sigurdsson was there's no Andre Gomez on the pitch. And every single thing, whilst Andre Gomez, since he's come in the team, everything goes through him. He's at the he's at the, the hub, the pivot of the whole team. And Sigurdsson's been sort of like ahead of him, but getting a lot less of the ball because Gomez was always like shifted mm-hmm. left or shifted right. Not that that's even a problem. I think Gomez has played, you know, for the most part, played well well since he's been here. But if he's not on the pitch, Sigurdsson takes that responsibility. He's got to because there's no other player in the team without Gomez who can. Who can hurt the opposition with his passing range and with his, you know, with his movements? He, he, the responsibility is on Sigurdsson if there's no Gomez to create because, well, unless Idrissa Gates fancies himself to carry on the way he did in this game, which okay. I'm back with, but it's usually there's not very, very many other players who are big creators in the team other than Sigurdsson yeah. or Gomez. Yeah. I- for Sigurdsson, and this was coming up, and you'll have to excuse me. I'm just watching on flash for you. But the, with Sigurdsson, the uh, one of the big kind of came into the bit. He's not the type of player that's going to receive the ball. I mean, you know, you look at that that, that goal against Leicester. Obviously, you know, he's picked mm-hmm. up his back to goal. Cruyff turned and fired it in top corner. But he's not the type of player to pick up the ball back to goal. Beat three or four men with a you know a mazy dribble. You know, he's just pure technique. That that that. that you know the instinct of a killer ball, knowing to where and when to play the ball. That's the type of number ten that he is. And if we play to his strengths, I feel like we're going to get more performances like that. And you know, when he went through the run earlier in the season, when he was playing really well, it looked like the you know the Sigurdsson that we signed. The one I'll be performed. curious when he comes up against like a quicker midfield. You know what I mean? Someone who yeah, we'll see that's that's we'll what see I something. mean. Hey, it's almost like we've got a match preview to do in a little while. Hey, hey. Uh, um. It needs to be mentioned, I think he's still a fantastic player, but Richarlison, nothing worked for him. Nothing worked for him. Uh, he's still a good player. I'm not in the, you know, get rid of the kid camp. Uh, the, that's, that's very black or white, you know what I mean? Uh, he's, a, he's still a fantastic finisher. But it seemed to me, uh, when I was talking about how uh, Schneiderlin looked mentally sharp, Richarlison looked the opposite. A lot of uh, very lackadaisical passes, just not just not being very careful or mindful of his actions, and so his touches trying mm-hmm. to get around people, his touch would not be as as tight of an angle, and it would he would just kind of take it for granted that he was going to get around people, and he made was it Equal Manga look like a look like a rock star on the side there several times, and it was, 
Yeah, it just he just didn't seem like he was mentally sharp. You know what I mean? Yeah. I heard someone refer to him as the Neto Neymar the other day, which made me laugh. <laughs> but um yeah, I know I, I know exactly what you mean. It's almost as if, you know, when he's in that one V one situation, it's almost as if he expects that he's gonna beat his man. Uh he kinda and he goes straight at him like a headless chicken and loses the ball and you know, spends the next ten seconds on the ground wondering why he's yeah. not got past his man. It, it, you know, it, it it calls for a big game to break out the slump, yeah, doesn't it? Agreed. And again, what what better time to do it than a Merseyside derby? And the big big changing point in the game, um, when a little dude came in and tore them apart. I love hearing that. Love hearing the team see the the people in the the, the away support sing sing the Bernard song. That was that was fantastic. I could hear it on TV. So great. Bernard looked good when he finally got the ball. It seemed like they were the ball just never. It finally took a long time for him to get it when he when he got in. But when he did, he looked incisive, uh, decisive, just very intelligent, smart passes. He it, his his confidence lifted the entire team. We looked like a more confident team. Uh, and, and Silva talked about our confidence. He specifically said that's one of our main things. Um, so I guess the would you Terry would you agree with me that Bernard coming in was maybe the big did you see the biggest change off of that substitution although I I do think most of the subs worked out pretty well I would say so I mean I, I think Bernard he should be starting on that left over at Charleston mm-hmm. on current form I mean, Charleston's a good player, but Bernard, I think, has been better than him in his last several games that they've had. You know, you could compare them. I like Bernard. I, I think he's taken a while to adapt to this league. And obviously, coming into this season, I don't want to say a freebie, but this season seems to be like an, like an adjustment season where he's going to, mm. you know, get, get used to the physical aspect, get used to the pace, get used to his new teammates, and then. Hopefully next season he kicks on, but I, I really like Bernard. I think he's a really shrewd piece of business. I mean, some of these, some of the play um, was it for Sigurdsson's second goal where he just that dribble, yeah, yeah, he just missed yeah. back, didn't he? And like couldn't live with him. It fires it into the six-yard box. Calvert Lewin doesn't get it, and then obviously it comes out to to Sigurdsson to put in. I think Bernard is unlucky not to have better stats for this season because he always seems to be like the the pass before the yeah. assist, or you know, you know, he he he's probably if we had a consistent goal scorer, he could have had like so many assists already. He he's had a lot of times where he's played strikers or attackers, other attacking players into good positions, but they've just fluffed it or they've dawdled on the ball or something. I, I I can't say enough good things about Bernard. I think he's a great little player. It's just about getting the players around them and building around that. Bernard, to me, is interesting and gives us depth of options because when he's got the ball on that that flank, he's a pass-first guy, okay? So he could, you know, end up looking, you know, trying to get to the inline and crossing back. Or he could cut in and look to combine with somebody, and he gives us a possible entry into the center of the pitch instead of just going the flanks and bombing it over. He actually gives this dimension. That's what I like about Bernard. Richarlison fits into more what Silva likes to do, you know, but Bernard gives us a little bit more diversity in the way we're actually attacking the opponent. He creates more chances. Uh, He's going to score fewer goals, and hence maybe our team scores fewer goals when he's on the pitch just because Richarlison does score. Uh, but man, right now it's impossible. I can't make an argument for Richarlison over Bernard this weekend. I can't, you know. So, of course, we'll get more into that in a minute (laughs) in a different video. Um, anything else, guys, on the match reaction? Um, It's nice to see him developing. Yeah. Great finish. Yeah, it was nice. Fantastic. And you know what? He played. He had. He played confidently throughout the whole thing. Uh, hold up play. They didn't smash through him every time. He actually held up play sometimes. You know, and for yeah, play, playing through, 
playing through the middle and pulling it back and benefit center forward. Love like, so seeing a player like that come back and help on set play defending because he, he managed to win a number of those headers and, and clear them out. That was nice too. So, good stuff. That's a good call, Max. All right, guys. Uh, I guess that's it for our uh, Cardiff match reaction. All right, so uh, anyway, now that we got the obvious stuff out of the way, uh, yeah, Darby, this weekend, Sunday, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good ascend. Um, so uh, current form, uh, let's see here, Liverpool's recently drawn with uh, United, nil-nil, Munich, nil-nil, beat Bournemouth, 3-0, drew with West Ham, 1-1, and drew with Leicester, 1-1. So that beat Wofford, 1-0-2. Oh, they're winning right now? Mm-hmm. Ah, up to date. So, yeah, they're currently beating Watford. But they still have time to draw or lose. Just want to put okay. that out there. All right. Um, I, Firmino's injured. That's a thing. I, quite possibly, and, and I think Gomez is, is officially healthy and possibly back for this one, but I don't know if he's going to get the start or not. I'm not sure. Um, Allison and goal, Robertson, Van Dyke, Matip, Alex Arnold, uh, Wijnaldum, Henderson, Fabinho, uh, Salah, Mane, and then could see either Shakiri or Sturridge coming in for Firmino. They're, they're, they're players are pretty much, I feel like we, we know what we're, we, what we got coming from them. Um, pressing, high tempo, uh, a lot of heavy metal football. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Can't I mean, wait for this World Cup final. <laughs> World, that's right. You know, honestly, I do see this as a big game, so I don't really care. You know, honestly, if I, it's just interesting to hear that from someone who sprinted on the pitch and hugged the keeper when yeah. they scored. No. To be fair, I think that quote was taken out of context. I think what he he, he was describing how difficult. The games coming up for Liverpool are, and he said Everton. The way we beat them last time, are going to play this game like it's a World Cup ah, final. see, that's see, that's but, fair. Since when are you being fair yeah, to them? Yeah, <laughs> I, no, I, I, I saw it through other people first, and I was like, that cheeky, like, yeah, I, I didn't see it. Look I at the just, way just, he reacted yeah. to beating us and running on the pitch. But then when I looked into it, I thought, you know what? I've got to be honest. It, it, it <clears> that was taken out of context. The context wasn't actually as offensive as it, sat, it yeah. seemed on paper. So fair is fair. I've got to. I've got to say. I actually wasn't offended by the comment. I just thought it was funny. You know what I mean? Like he's the kind of guy if he if he talks a little shit now and then. You know what I mean? He he talks. The guy talks a lot. All right. Yeah. So. A little bit of shit, whatever. It's a, it's a derby. You know, it's going to happen. Uh, you probably won't hear that from our manager, but just because our manager doesn't speak often. <laughs> you know, uh, Klopp does. So whatever. Um, so uh, we need to think a little bit about the Cardiff win and what's going to transition over to the derby in terms of lineup, formation, all that. Okay, Max. Let's start with you. Um, he went with Schneiderlin, Jagielka. Uh, those are two of the players I think that really uh, we have to look to that would uh, directly affect I think the game a little bit more. Walcott may or may not start. Who knows? But I think Schneiderlin and uh, Jagielka are the ones where I think we would normally never guess that they would start the derby. Do you think either one of those makes it in? <clears throat> right. That Cardiff game, there were defensive mistakes that would have otherwise been punished by better opposition. There were a few there like there were examples of Jags giving so the balls away. I think Snydlin gave the ball get ball away one or two times uh, as well in the midfield. Like, you know, if we're playing against the high caliber opposition, we would have otherwise been punished, conceded, what have you. So I've got to be honest, no. I just think he was experimenting a little bit, obviously, after the 17-day layoff. Um, I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't, with that 17-day layoff, you couldn't exactly say he was resting. 
Andre Gomez, etc. It did seem like part of his game plan to want mm-hmm. to play the like Theo Walcott, Snyder, Jags. But let's say like this, you know, you've got you've got to give them credit where it's due. To me, this is just my personal opinion. Slaughter me if you want. They've been the best team in England, as I was saying earlier. Their blip in form has been, you know, drawing drawing games, not losing them. Um, so yeah, they they've been you know what Klopp's built is an absolutely fantastic side. They're really physical, and yeah, it's going to be a physical game in terms of you know strength, power, speed. You don't want well, how old's Jags now? 35, 36. You don't you don't want Jags <laughs> playing. You don't want Schneiderlin playing with the pace of them. Like, you know, so yeah, I can't see them starting. Yeah, uh, my initial thought was that they would not be starting or playing. Uh, also, I want to go ahead and give respect to your just brutal honesty. I think there's an easy thing for a lot of channels just to be like, eh, they're the dar- they're, they're a rival, you know, and just, you know, talk a lot of shit uh. about them. Yeah, I mean, we have things that we could say, but they are good. They're a good team. They have a system in place, and they have pieces in order to be able to, you know, Klopp has the team he wants. And yeah, he, let's be honest, right now they have a lot of points in the t- on the table. Yeah, Still alive in Champions League. He, he's fixed the issues in the defence. He's fixed the issue with goalkeepers. Um, still, though, it must be said, they haven't won the league since 1990. I hate seeing Sky and BT cover them like the, the best things since sliced bread. They've not won the league in my lifetime. I don't, I don't, you know, I hope they bloody don't win it in my lifetime. They're out the League Cup. They're out the FA Cup. Um, probably going to get knocked out. Against in the Champions League away at Bayern Munich, contrast that to Manchester City, who are still fully in contention of the quadruple. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, fair fair play to Liverpool; they've been the best team in the Premier League this season. But you know, you can't c- compared to Guardiola, Guardiola and the you know the depth that he's built. You know, the City are by far the better team. Um, I I think another thing that we get. Terry is with Jags. If Jagielka's playing, you're getting a decent... One of the things we got was that leadership. We actually have a voice in the back. And that could have been one of the reasons why we didn't give up a ridiculous set-piece goal. So, however, with, with Jagielka, I think all of us, every single one of us noted how slow he looked on Tuesday. So I, I, I'm going to go ahead and agree with Max. I don't think we have we can really start... Jagielka or Schneiderlin in this one. But how are we going to get that same leadership? Because it seems like it's something that we really need in the back. Mm, I mean, I'm not so sure about Schneiderlin. I think Schneiderlin might start. Uh-huh. Like, you know, given given the defense, so given their middle three, the energy of their middle three, that's not to say Schneiderlin's energetic, but I think he... he Maybe not, but I wouldn't. I, I would not be shocked if he was. Jagielka, there's no way. If you think Zuma <laughs> isn't coming straight back in, you're crazy. Yeah. Jagielka's, as we said in the last segment, you know his leadership was very much a breath of fresh air against Cardiff, and it was Cardiff are a set piece orientated team, so it was very much needed. Liverpool are not Cardiff. There is no way on earth that Jagielka will be able to live with Liverpool. They will absolutely tie him in knots. I don't think that the leadership will be as important against Liverpool, which is a strange thing to say, but not as important as physical the, the physical side of the game where you'll need fast players. It doesn't matter how strong mentally Jagielka is. If one of Liverpool's front three get away from him, you, you would you rather have Jagielka chase them down, or, or would you rather have Jagielka or Zuma in a, in a sort of foot race? I mean, and Zuma's um, come unstuck a couple of times this season and tried to use his pace and his strength to get himself out of trouble. But at least he's got pace and strength. Those days are over for Jagielka. We're not. If we play Jagielka, we're going to be sitting on our six-yard box for the whole game, which is not what we want to do. So, you know, the the question remains: Where are we going to get that leadership? Big game. Leaders are made in big game. Yeah, that's true. Got to got to rise to the occasion, man. You can't you can't just look around and go who's leading us. Lead yourself. Like <laughs> still players on the pitch, you in theory should have leadership quality. Seamus Coleman. Everyone made a big big 
song and dance at the beginning of the season about how he's the next captain and he's got everything he needs and Coleman's missed a lot of derbies over the years. He's always seems to get injured around derby time. And this is the type of game where you're gonna need a little bit of that nastiness that Coleman's got in him. We're gonna need Coleman to have one of his better games. He's still got it in him. He hasn't got as many of them in him as he used to. But you don't if we're if we're relying on a nearly retired Jagielka for any leadership, then we're in trouble. We we he he, he was useful in this Cardiff game, but it's a totally different kettle of fish now at Liverpool. They're not a set piece team. They're a pace and counter attacking team, and that is exactly where you don't want Jagielka to be. It's weird though. It's almost like we need because they do have a few. I mean, immediately I think about Van Dyke on set pieces. He is really so. We we do need someone to kind of be barking out you know but at the same time I think speed is the thing that's going to last all 90 minutes and their speed is going to be present the whole time the entire game um so that I I would agree with you there um how are we doing this middle three uh if we're uh, I feel like you, you've got to start Sigurdsson after the game he just had and you've got to start gay after the game. You've got to start gay after the game he just had. So then, so are we just rolling Gomez with that other with that other spot? And Schneiderlin is the consideration, or I mean, and it's not going to be Davies probably, even though I think he's mm. healthy. More than likely, it's going to be Gomez, isn't that's it? That's what I would think. You know, that's going to have its implications for the likes of Sigurdsson and Gay and wanting to get forward like he did against Cardiff. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, we've we've got to be cautious, and we you know we've got to we you know we've got to be aware that on the we, you know on the back foot, we've got to be careful. We can't overcommit forward. Of course, we can't overcommit forward. So you know, by default, the midfielders are going to have to take on more defensive responsibility for this game. Um, man for man, they are a better side for us. So you know, we've got to be on our toes. Um. I feel like I mean, you saw. I, I saw on Twitter a lot of people were talking about how Silva, one of the, maybe one of the reasons he was going with Walcott and Richarlison and DCL, is he saw how quick Watford were and how Watford just sort of demolished Cardiff, and he was trying to get a uh, quick attackers in there. Um, do we feel like he's going to be doing trying trying to get straight line runners, or is he going to be? I mean, we've been talking about Adam Ola-Lookman getting more minutes for a long time now. Uh, can we actually see him and Bernard getting the start? Or is it probably just going to be Bernard? Probably just Bernard. I mean, I'd be surprised if he dropped um, Rich Allison because he seems to like him, especially in the, the bigger games. Um but Bernard has to start. There's uh, Calvert Lewin has got to start, or like one hundred percent. I think Richarlison will start, and I think Bernard will as well. So it's just whatever variation that front three is, whether Richarlison starts on the right or Bernard does. I prefer Richarlison on the right, just because neither him or Bernard are comfortable out on that flank. But I think Richarlison makes more of it than Bernard does. It Bernard is really just sort of blunted a little bit when he's out there, like all the tricks and stuff he does and. You know, his skill set just doesn't translate when he's on. got to go on the other foot. Where, oh, sorry, the the opposite-footed um, full-back. Richarlison, at least his physical uh, attributes, don't don't really diminish by being on the other side, just like where he wants to strike the ball. I don't know. I wonder whether... But I think out of the three, the least, if one of them's going to drop out for Walcott, so it'll be... Of the three I've mentioned, it'll be... Bernard, I think Bernard might start on the bench again and just come on like he did in the last game. I hope that's not true, yeah. but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, as far as the opposition, uh, we know Salah, Mane, they always have a front three, even if Firmino's out. You know, Shakiri's a good player. Um, Sturridge, athletic player. Uh, we we know. I I but I, when I look at this possible lineup, though, I think. Robertson as being a player to seriously keep an eye on because I mean yeah full box yeah you know uh Alexander or Alexander Arnold you know great player yeah 
I mean, both of those two players going up the flanks. I, I feel better about Dean, though, defending than I do about Coleman, which is why Robertson yeah. makes me a little more gonna, concerned. I was going to say that, that that is one possibly to throw into con- contention, a star for John Joe Kenny, maybe. Hey! A bit more speed, obviously That's local true. lad. Might rise mm. to the occasion. Bit more aggression, bit more fight. Like, it just sounds strange. That's usually something you wouldn't fault Seamus Coleman on, but I, I doubt it. I don't think he'll go with that. I think that's it. He'll go for the experience. You know, mm. when we were talking about FA Cup, and we were talking, and I mentioned possibly John Joe Kenny playing, you guys said veteran leadership in a game like this, uh, a senior, having a senior player. I thought that was really intelligent. That's why I thought maybe he, Coleman may get the nod on this one because of that same reason. Um, but at the same time, I worry less about Kenny getting beat by Robertson because of pure speed, you know what I mean, than Coleman right yeah. now. I feel like Coleman's quickness, his short like five-yard, two-to-five-yard movement is not as on point as Kenny's is right now. So, mm-hmm. Although I will say well, Coleman did not look – did not look bad yesterday. The the Anfield derby last year, the the one where Allardyce got the points and it was like just ten percent possession or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny had a really good game against Mane in that in that match. Mm. Like, I, I know it's it's a long time ago and a lot can change, but the, Kenny's played that type of game before and gave a good account of himself. So I, I would have, if I saw Kenny starting, I would not worry about his you know, ability to step up at all. Mm. I just don't think with Coleman having had one of his better, more be, better games more recently in the last match, and then obviously the the leadership aspect comes into it. I just can't see Coleman being dropped for this game at yeah. all. I would agree. However, I'm not going to sit there and have my eyes get super wide if if Kenny's starting. I'm going to feel okay about it. You know. Um, anything else about this one, guys? Uh, we need to be. We need to drop some predict- predictions. I realize we don't want to do predictions on this one. It's just one of the. But it's something we do. So just win. <laughs> to, just please win. It's been so long. It, <laughs> It's time to, time to win. They're an unbelievably good team, but they used to beat us when they weren't that good and we were better than we are now. So who cares what the rules are? Just win. Any means necessary. Don't care if we cheat. Grow the grass <laughs> long. You know, let's grow the grass <laughs> long. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Just win. Get that monkey off our back. I mean, Marco Silver and a lot of the new players will buy themselves a hell of a lot of credit and a lot of time in the bank if they win this game. What do you uh, so just win is Terry's prediction? No, nah, my prediction is probably <laughs> a defeat. Um, I don't like to predict defeats because I just don't. So I'm going to predict a 1 1 draw, a really cagey, tense game like they have been sometimes recently, where every single Supporter watching is nervous and has got a, a sort of knot in the stomach, kicking every ball in their mind. One-one, optimistically, because they're not playing to their flowing best at the minute. And I'm hoping that we get another performance like they had against Man United, where they can't really take advantage of any op- any any advantage. They can't take advantage of any. St- think they have over the opposition and it could be yeah. if we just need to have some players get injured and sub out and maybe you know because that supposedly was what Klopp said that really threw him yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. sorry disrupt the rhythm yeah <laughs> Max what's your prediction man if we win it atones for our season it makes up for that horrific loss at Anfield that completely derailed our season <sighs> But we're going to get beat 2-0. I can see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's going to happen. I am not so beat. not shocked by Max's prediction. I'm not shocked at all. I'm... After last, the la- my last prediction was... I was predicting a clean sheet. I don't think this will be a clean sheet. I don't think... Because Max is right. There were so many mistakes that that we made in the back that Cardiff did not take advantage of that a team like Liverpool would, you know. And so I think we will concede. Um, but I'm going to be bold. 
I'm going to say 2-1. I know, I know, Max. I'm just saying. It's bold and maybe stupid. I don't care, but there it is. 2-1, Blues. I'm picking a win. Yeah. (coughs) And I actually expected one of you to do it as well. (laughs) So, yeah. So, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it, though. I'm cool with being the lone winner picker yeah fine with it so anyway that's it for a match preview um yeah i don't have anything like clever i just i just want us to play well damn it you know it's fucking play well all right so <laughs> if you, uh, that's it you know uh no no like pageantry whatever just Play with some cojones, por favor. Yeah, and um, please let's not concede on the in the last minute of added time. With bullshit. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna lose, lose with plenty of notice so I can get my head around it. Don't do it like that. <laughs> concede on the sixtieth minute and then don't 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 do it then. Mm. Okay. Alright, so I'm moving on. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for If You Know Your History, the Everton-based quiz segment that pits Terry against Max in a cage match of Toffee's Wit and Might. I'm just rattling this off, and, and I don't mess it up anymore. And he, yeah, sorry. Little things for me these days. Little things. Um, this is going to be a penalty-style shootout quiz. Um, damn, I don't even have my normal... Memory card. So let's use this little one. Heads or tails? Terry, I think it's your turn to call it. Heads. Heads. It's not really a huge advantage, and it is heads. It's not really a huge advantage because we tend to rotate who goes first every time, like a normal penalty shootout. But um, Terry, your call. Second. I'll, I'll stick with tradition and go second, even though it doesn't really have much of a bearing. Yeah. Not as much as it does on the uh, the other ones. Um so, uh, basically, I'll be asking these gentlemen uh, the same question. This first one will be technically Max's question, as though he's shooting in a, in a shootout. So, it'll be his shot. Terry will have a chance to answer it as well. Max gets it right. Uh, or if Max is closer, then it's like he made it. Terry's closer. It's as though he stopped it. And then we'll flip for the next question, back and forth. If you've seen a shootout before, it's like that with questions, and this isn't confusing at all. All right, so uh, let's uh, cue the super intense quiz music. And there it is. I, 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 I can hear it in my brain, slowly ramping up. Um, so, Max, your first question, sir. How many, how many clean sheets does Tim Howard have against Liverpool? Jesus. Um, he might know. I'm, I'm, are you, I've, just, I've gone blank. How, how many years did he play for us? Um, About eight, something like that. I'll say four. Max says four. Terry, what do you have for me? I was going to say four. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to go... Five, if I can't pick four. Terry, it's probably a good thing you could not pick four, because the correct answer is five. Five clean sheets in 18 games. So, that's a block. All right. Very strategic. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> so yeah there you go 5 and 18 games Tim Howard uh, starting keeper for the Colorado Rapids at the moment uh, I think this is going to be his last season too so I would love to figure out a way to go watch him. Uh, Terry your question Everton legend Neville Southall has the most appearances of all time in the Merseyside Derby how many appearances has he made I'm going to say 
20. 20, says Terry. Maximiliano, what do you got? 23. 23. Guys, you're both really far off. <laughs> um, he has 41 appearances in the Merseyside Derby. Yeah, it was 80, 80s and 90s and early Premier League era too. So despite being pretty damn far off, Max... You got the block, my friend. Yeah, it's like when Aguero scored that penalty and he yes. got in so he's like, uh, yeah, shot the most Like, I shouldn't have gotten that. Uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. All right, Max, we're back to you. Um, John, cut this out because I'm embarrassed of my pronunciation. Abel Xavier? Abel, Abel Xavier. Abel Xavier. Is what that right? Point? Because I was like, Abel Xavier? <laughs> I didn't know. Abel Xavier. All right, John, cut back in now. Hide my stupidity. Uh, Abel Xavier left Everton for Liverpool in January 2002. How much was he sold for? Three million. Three million, says Max. Terry. 2.3 million. 2.3 million. Well, again, guys, not super close on your guesses. Um, kind of this is almost the exact same thing that happened on the last one, except these, you're, you're closer with this one. Uh, Abel Xavier was, was sold for 800,000 pounds. Yeah. Thought it would be something really, really old, but... I was That's really concerned that you were going to turn around and say it was for a lot of money. I was going to go, God, we, we, that's why they hate us. If we took, <laughs> they took actual money off them for him. No way. <laughs> so, so that was uh, that was another block for uh, for for Terence. Um, so, all right, Terry, your question. You get this one, uh, and you win. If not, we go to tiebreaker. How many wins do Everton have overall against Liverpool? Jesus. Um, I told you, I saw these questions ahead of time, and I was like, Quizmaster John, merciless. I'm going to go for a, let me think, there's been about, what, 200 and something Merseyside derbies, probably, I think that includes the cup ones as well. They're probably going to have won more. It's going to be a lot of draws. I'm going to go for a stab at 105. No. Yeah, I've said it now. That's too high. I'm going to go for 105, though. Okay. With regret. Max. 83. 83. The correct answer, gentlemen, 66. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. I, I, I realised when I, I said... You, 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 I was three. thinking around the 60s, and then you went really high, so I'm thinking, okay, if I go like, like just a little bit lower, I'll at least win anyway. But I was thinking it would be 60-something. I, I thought... God, that's embarrassing. Oh, you know, I was trying to split on well, we've won some, and, they, and then I realised, no way have we won nearly half of them. And I'd already said it, so I was like, no, I've got to just go with it now. I've said it. Like, but to be honest, I'd have probably still gone too high. I'd have probably gone like around 80, 88 or something like that, so I'm not too cut up about it. Tiebreaker question, and uh, we're just going to continue uh, because Terry did win the coin toss on this, so Max, you will go first on this one. Um... 16th of January 2011 Liverpool 2 Everton 2 Distan and Beckford scored for Everton in what minute did Beckford score it put us 2-1 up and I remember saying like if, he, if that's the winner he'll, he'll get himself a lot of credibility there it wasn't to be I'm going to say the 70th minute 
Okay, Max says the 70th minute. Terry. I don't know why, but the second you said it, it pops into my head. It might be completely wrong, but 67th minute. 67th minute. Gentlemen, Beckford scored for Everton in the 52nd minute. So, by a measly three minutes, (laughs) Terry... You appear to have taken this round of If You Know Your History. Guys, that was, was a lot of blocking. It's not exactly a lot of slotting in the corner on this one. You guys, as uh, as blockers, uh, did a good job. So, uh, Terry, congratulations. Max, uh, you had a good showing as well, bud. So, you know, no hanging your head on that one. Uh, Terry's reward is to be able to pick the tune on which we ramble out on this show. So, Terry, what what delicious audio snippet have you prepared for us this evening? Well, I'm trying to sort of transition out of me classic uh-huh. sort of theme that I've had going on. So I'm just going. I'm having a little look now to see what I could put through. I'm not saying I'm going to you know vary wildly away from it and suddenly you know give you. A, a spoken word piece or anything like that, but I might, uh, I might surprise you. Let me see. I'm going to transition away a little bit from the uh, classic 80s sort of into the 90s uh, rock uh, songs, this, the, the dad rock, if you will. Still going to be quite guitar-y, still going to be uh, you know, in that sort of area, but I'm going to go with Tenacious D, band that you like, Jerry, and I'm yes. going to uh, go with Gonna go with Kickapoo because it's just a good song. No reason, no special, no special uh, sort of explanation. Just I was listening to it. Great song. Jack Black has a better voice than he has any right to have. He could easily be a singer in a serious band. He's got an amazing voice, but he makes comedy songs and they're pretty good. Yeah, have you seen High Fidelity? No, I don't think... No. It's it's worth your time. It's a comedy starring John Cusack, and he owns a record store. And Jack Black... Jack Black's character works there. And he's, like... They're all, like, music nerds and stuff, and they're always talking about music and everything. And they're, they're experts, and then, like, he ends up, like, randomly joining a band and, like, being the lead singer at the end, and he's singing, like, sexual healing. And holy shit, they end a movie with it, and it's so good. It's just his voice is ridiculous. And I think it's funny, by the way, that you you went away from the dad rock. You, you picked a band heavily influenced by all that dad rock. You know what I mean? All that, like, metal from, like, the 80s. They love that shit. <laughs> I was spoiled for choice for song to pick. I just... I looked through and I was like, you know what? I could be. It could be a variety of songs. Uh, it could be Wonder Boy. Could yep. be a. Could be any of the ones from Rise of the Phoenix. I was debating to be the best, which is like one of the songs from the Rise of the Phoenix, and it's so cheesy and it's just like you know talking about flying on the wings of an eagle and stuff like yeah. that. But I think I'll, I think I'll save that when we get a really good result. So if if we beat Liverpool, the next quiz and I win getting that there's a lot of ifs and a lot of buts there so for now it's, we're going to go with it's a winding road to get to that point uh, <laughs> awesome well as we as you're uh, as you're serenaded by uh, the wonderful voice of Jables and KG uh, it is it is time to end this round of the Toffee Blues podcast uh, thanks so much for listening we sincerely appreciate it uh, you can you can always catch us on the iTunes or uh, or on Acast or you could go to the Toffee Blues website to find uh, to find us there. Um, please give us a rating, leave us a, a nice review. It just it doesn't hurt you to do that. Um, if you uh, also check us out if you if you want to see our faces, check out the Toffee Blues YouTube channel. Um, we put our faces on there. There is the difference. Uh, <laughs> sometimes there's also some other content that we don't create that our fellow contributors create. There's some football manager stuff on there from 
from our uh, from our buddy Thomas. You can check that out. And Tom does the extra show. There's a lot of stuff from Tom as well. Who is not Thomas? They are different dudes. So, uh, but there's some good stuff on there as well. Uh, so check that out. Um, also, some instant match reactions from old old Edward. Good stuff. Um, if you want more Terry, check out the Liverpool Echo Fan Jury because he's on there a lot. So look at look on his Twitter. He'll tell you when he's there. Max as well, but he he does he's not on the Liverpool Echo Fan Jury. He'll he'll just be on the Twitter and tell you where he's going to be with his analysis and everything. Uh, he mainly drops his knowledge though on the Toffee Blues website. So uh, check that out. It's brand spanking new. It sparkles like a golden god. So you should check that out at some point. It's, it's good. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, follow the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Facebook, and the Instagrams. I'm done with plugging. Guys, um, I'm going to turn my Everton brain off now until Sunday morning because I don't want to obsess about it. Hey, yeah. So, guys, thanks so much for, for your time. I actually thought this could have got gotten uh, a lot of uh, a lot more downtrodden. I actually, you know, this was fun to talk to you guys about this, so thanks for that. Uh, Terry, much love. Thank you, buddy. You too, man. It's always a pleasure. Maxwell House. Good Peace to see you, always. man. Th- thanks a lot. Great to be on. Yeah, again, uh, good knowledge from you guys. And as always, I, I learn. So, uh, gentlemen... Take care. Um, as, as Terry said, just win. Damn it. Yeah, that's what I have to say about that. All right. Bye. Bye.